Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. Do you solemnly swear? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Then I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of those officers appointed over me according to regulations and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. Thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I am sitting here via Zoom with Steve. Steve is a 22-year veteran. He served from 1993 all the way up to 2015 as a combat engineer. He's been with eight major commands. He's done four combat deployments to Iraq. He's done two overseas deployments to Korea, one rotation deployment to Kuwait. He is a Mission 22 State Ambassador for Ohio. He's a Combat Motorcycle Association Commander. He's got the Purple Heart, the Bronze Star, Meritorious Service Medal, and Bronze De Fleury Medal. Steve, how are you doing tonight? Well, how are you? Not bad. I want to say thank you for joining in and telling my listeners uh, your story, and I'm very interested in, in listening to it, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, like, uh, like we said before the show, with you know, um, talk to me about who you were, Steve, uh, before the your service. Absolutely. So, I grew up in a uh, small town in eastern Ohio uh, called Martin's Ferry. Um, it's the first settlement in Ohio, if anyone's ever on Jeopardy. Um, and uh, it was a uh, a steel a steel town, and uh, so basically. You know, you grow up in this town and you play sports and, um, you know, most people, um, you know, try to get out of that town um, to to um, pursue, you know, the American dream. Uh, my mom and dad still still live back in, in you know, same town. Um, my mom's first husband. um went to Vietnam and died in 1970. Um, and, and before he left, um, my mom and her husband, uh, Dale had a daughter, my sister. And, uh, so my mom and dad married in, in 1972. So, you know, my dad raised my sister as his own for, you know, the entirety of her life early on, you know, being an inquisitive kid, you know, uh, sneaking around and, and, and looking, looking in my, in my sister's stuff. I, you know, I come across the, uh, a folded flag and, and the purple heart and the bronze star and, um, and, you know, the, uh, Vietnam service medal and, and, and things of that nature in the blue cases. And, you know, and it fascinated me and, and, uh, you know, and I asked questions and they didn't, I guess they thought I was too young at the time to understand and, you know, especially understand half sister or, or whatever the case that was. 
Right. Um, and then as as time went on, and, and you know, and you grow up in the eighties, and you watch, you know, missing in missing in action or yeah. Rambo or things of that nature, and, and it makes you want to, you know, makes you want to do, it makes you want to be Chuck Norris, you know. <laughs> um, and then you figure out later on in life, there's only one 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 of those guys, but um, but you know it. it it wasn't until I got into high school um, that I understood the sacrifice, you know, because in high school, you know, I, I graduated in 1992. So Desert Storm happened, yep. you know, and you see the coverage, um, the coverage on TV. It, it was pretty much the first time in my life where the war was fought on CNN or, you know, yeah. um, so you, you got moment to moment. Um, coverage and so and then you you put you put the pieces together you know you you and then you have an epiphany well at least i did that you know this my existence my soul existence is is here because of man's sacrifice you know like there there was a, a sacrifice for my existence so yeah. you know and and man as soon as and as soon as I realized that, it it, it put a, a huge weight on me, and uh, and then, like I mentioned uh, pre-show, you know, I did everything in high school. I played football, yeah. I wrestled, um, and I did everything with with the intention of going into the military. Now, with with having a mother that you know uh, buried her first husband from war. Uh, going into military was absolutely forbidden. Yep. Um, so, you know, I had to, uh, wait till I was 18. Uh, I graduated when I was 17. So I had to wait, uh, several months to, to become 18 and then, uh, enlist. And once I enlisted, you know, it was, it was, uh, I actually went into the, uh, recruiting station in Wheeling, West Virginia, went in to be a Marine. Like I said, I, you know, all the, all the movies, all all the all the things that were on uh, TV were you know the the Marines were um, you know uh, the the few and the proud you know and right. so when I walked into um, that recruiting station in Wheeling, West Virginia, you know the the first two offices was uh, Navy and Air Force, and then you you know kind of make a half left and go down the hallway and then you pass the Army office. And then the Marine Corps was in the back, and uh, there there was a um, a guy in the office in in uniforms, you know, the 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 green pants and the and the the tan shirt, and he's you know dusting. And I'm like, hey, are you a recruiter? And he turns and says, no, you know, he was hometown recruiting, um, and he's like, uh, the recruiter's out to lunch. I said, okay, I'll wait on him. So I go in the hallway and I sit and wait, you know, the army recruiter comes and, you know, he comes to the doorway, a guy named uh, Sergeant Lincoln Hawker. Lincoln Hawker was his last name, but you can call him Sergeant Link um, <laughs> if you ever meet him. Uh, but uh, yeah, he comes to the door. He's like, hey, you know, uh, can I help you? I'm like, I'm waiting on, uh, you know, the Marine recruiter. And he's like, have you talked to him yet? I'm like, no. He's like, you know, is, is there an appointment? I'm like, no, I'm just walking in. And he's like, so no one's talked to you yet. I'm like, nope. 
And he's like, well, come on in here, man. I'll, I'll give you a test run. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> all right. So I go in there and, and we sit down and, and he recognized me from wrestling in the, um, OVAC tournament. And he's like, man, I know you from somewhere. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, uh, you know, we kind of figured it out. And, yep. uh, and, uh, he's like, Hey, you know that, you know, the army has a wrestling program. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know, does the Marines? He's like, yeah. He's like, but, and then he pulled out, <laughs> pulled out an army times and just so happened, um, the armed forces championship was wrestled. Um, you know, the, the month, that month or whatever, cause yep. you know, it was that issue. And he's like, see, and so he's like, so you can either be on the winning team or you can go over there and be on. And I'm like, I'm like, so I can, I can join the army and wrestle. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right. And then, you know, then he explained, you know, you're going to have to have a job. You're going to yep. have to have an MOS. You're going to have to try out. Okay, I could do that. So, you know, I was I was sold. I'm like, you know, it don't matter if I'm gonna wrestle. What's what's it matter? You know, right? What I mean? And uh, so, um, I I go to Meps, go to Pittsburgh, um, and um, you know, join. Hey, you have to have a job. I'm like, you know, all right. They're like, how about combat engineer? I'm like what's that do you know and he, they're like you blow stuff up i'm like yep that i'll do that good. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and um so um go there uh they send me to fort leonard wood in missouri have you ever been there i have you're better for it you have you okay yeah. well, i'm saying that's where the, uh, the marine corps does their training for motor transport operators okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah all right um so yeah i mean if you haven't been to fort leonard wood you're better for it if you have well i'm sorry for you um so as somebody but, that's you know as somebody that's been there sorry that i just gotta ask you i was told it's called fort lost in the woods lost in the woods yeah um, okay so now, it still works when i went when i went there in 1993 it it, it didn't have a walmart it, it didn't <laughs> have um it yeah it was it was basically you know, you fly into St. Louis and they, they put you in a van and, you know, um, they take you down there. Um, well, excuse me, they, they put you on a bus when you're a private. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they take and put you on a bus and, and, and take you down here. And yeah, there's, there's nothing. There's St. Roberts and, and Waynesville and they have since, you know, Build it come up. up in the world in, yeah. in the last 30 years, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely lost in the woods. Yeah. Um, so now being, so go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so now being in, uh, Fort Lost in the woods there as uh -huh. boot camp now being, you said yep. previously you're six, four. Yep. Six, how, four. How was boot camp for that? Did you get, uh, chewed out a lot or anything like that for being that tall or? I, d I did. Um, I, you know, you know, funny, you know, they, they sent, um, they sent two females. I was in a, um, um, I was initially, excuse me. I was initially a 12 Foxtrot, which is a combat engineer vehicle crew. Right. So I was on the, uh, the bridge layer. Um, you know what I'm talking about? The, um, armored bridge layer or yep. the, um, 
armored combat earth mover, which is basically a, uh, a, a bulldozer that's yep. on, on, uh, we got them from the Marine Corps. Yep. Um, yeah. They're all armored uh, up and stuff. Yep. All yep. armored up and they go 35 miles an hour to roll with tanks, the big tanks in. And, yep. um, and so that's what I initially were. And then they, they all blended into 12 Bravo, which is combat engineer. So, I went to an infantry basic training, not a OSET um, basic training like most combat engineers did. So it wasn't co-ed, but we had females in our our barracks. Okay, so yeah. um, they they split they split the barracks and there's split left and right, not yeah. you know top to bottom. So we each had three floors, and and instead of being long floors, they had these. Um, plywood partitions in the middle so the males couldn't get on the female side or vice versa right and uh but anyways they sent they sent two female um drill sergeants very short puerto rican drill sergeant uh sergeant first class rios to pick us up you know and get on the cattle trucks and you know they were real pleasant and real nice and real <laughs> you know what i mean like because yeah. you were in reception and yep. they didn't want to scare the rest of the people in reception. So, you know, they were nice. And, and then you got on the cattle truck and, and you went across. And as soon as you got across the railroad tracks, it was like Armageddon. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Welcome to the Thunderdome. Yes. Yeah. You know, get your, get your heads in the bags and, and man. And it was so, and I was a bigger, I was a bigger guy. I was one of the, um, I went to basic training, probably 280 pounds. And that was, that was after I went to, you know, I went to MEPS and my recruiter was like, Hey man, you, you need to drop some weight, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I just wrestled, um, heavyweight uh, at 286. So, you know, he's like, man, they're going to, you know, they're going to kill you in basic training if you don't drop weight and i'm like all right so you know i try to drop some weight and so i went there 270 some you know okay. two, and uh i lost 50 pounds through basic training um because you know the running and the hiking and yeah the running and not eating not eating the way i was used to eating you know yeah. like the you know and then when we got off the cattle trucks when we got the basic training, you know, there was drill sergeant on the outside. He had a clipboard and you had to run up to him and, um, you have your, you know, duffel bag, you know, around the front of you and your arms are, you know, you're holding it and holding whatever other bags you brought to, uh, basic training with you. And you run up to him and, you, you know, you tell him, you know, uh, Vickers 5290. And, and he's like, all right, you're in first platoon. That's, first floor go and you run up there and they have a you know uh first platoon had a drill sergeant out there and you know um he's like no private you're not in you know you're not in first platoon you better go back outside so i go back outside <laughs> and you know now i'm getting smoked because i didn't follow directions i didn't tell you first platoon private i told you third platoon third floor go and so i run up there and you know and it just kept going and kept going and kept going and yep. uh so you know by the end i'm you know i'm frustrated i'm i'm angry because yep. you know i know i'm being screwed with you know what yeah. i mean like and then you know they they bring everybody it was raining that day 
um, it, it, a, a nice, a nice drizzle coming down, and you know I'm I'm being roll left and roll right out in the, you know out in the yard and and uh, you know now I wasn't the only one right, you know right. I mean there were several and then you know you make your way back up to um, your your proper platoon finally after you did all three platoons several times and then you're in the, you're in this you know room that's just empty and you know that's where they have you know that's where they did mail and all that stuff so we're standing there in in four ranks on both sides of the room well in two ranks on both sides of the room and uh you know then then you meet the full drill sergeant sergeant johnson and sergeant green and and you know um and here it is 30 years later and i can you know (laughs) i can remember them i i I know their faces and and, uh yeah so i I told you about the sud story so my my duffel bag is soaking wet you know between running up and down the stairs you know me sweating on it and, and the rain i mean it's just it it's soaking wet now they told us over in reception not to take powdered laundry detergent yeah they didn't say why right <laughs> they just said don't take powdered laundry you don't need everything you know everything you need from the the, the the PX or yeah, uh, commissary or whatever. You know, commissary, you'll, you'll get over there. And, yeah. and, you know, I, and I was so tight with money, you know, I, I was so, I was so programmed being, being a steel worker's son that you didn't waste anything. Right. Um, that, you know, so I put it in a garbage bag and I put tape on it and, and, you know, and I put it in the top of my duffel bag. So when you get in there and they, you, you go down through shakedown, what they call it, you know, they make sure that you got everything from CIF and, and, uh, all that stuff. Well, before they do that, they make you pick, pick the duffel bag over your head and drop it down to the floor as fast as you can. But it's, you know, of course it's never fast enough. No. So you have to pick it up and do it again and, and, and do it again and, you know, and, and they're trying to break people in the room and they are breaking people in the room. And, you know, I was already pissed off going into the room <laughs> and you, you got, you know, people sniffling and, and all this stuff. So I'm just, I mean, I'm power, power bombing my duffel bag and boom and boom. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, it, it was a little bit of, a little bit of white smoke, but it, it was like once, <laughs> Once the garbage bag in there broke, you know, the white, the, the, the detergent hit the water. And it, I mean, there were suds everywhere. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, at first it looked like I had a bag of cocaine, uh, in, in the, uh, duffel bag because just a puff of white smoke. And then, you know, suds start rolling out the top of the bag when I open it to do wow. my layout. And then I had to spend, you know, because you, you have to, you know, you have Damn formation enough. the very next morning. And so all night I'm up, um, washing, I'm, I'm washing class A's. I'm, I'm my dress <laughs> uniform. Cause it, it, you know, it had suds all over it. It, it ain't going it, to, it's not going to dry right. It's, no. you know, it, yeah. man, it was, it was terrible. So. You know, it, it was a, it was a meathead move <laughs> that 
that I, you know, I, I have a pretty nice cranium anyway, but it was a meathead move. So for the next, you know, to, for the duration of basic training, my name was meathead. So, <laughs> um, that, that is the, that's the sud story. Nice. Um, after basic training, we went over to AIT, advanced individual training for combat engineer vehicle crewmen. Um, you know, we learned the combat engineer vehicle, which is a CEV. At the time, it was the, um, it was a, on an M60 tank chassis. Uh, it had a 165 millimeter HEP, um, composition B gun, which took a 65 pound HEP round. Yep. Which, you know, was it shot, you shot for bunkers and bridges and things of that nature. It had a 50 cal on it and, and a 240. And I was a, you know, being a big dude, I was a loader for that, but that's, that was AIT. I, I got my first original, uh, orders was to go to Germany. Um, I had a long time girlfriend in high school, well, three years, uh, of high school and, uh, so I call her, you know, the, the last two weeks of AIT, I, you know, they're like, all right, they set us in a room, all right? You're going to Germany. You're going to Germany. You're going to Korea. You're going wherever. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I had to fill out, you know, am I going to Germany for two years or am I going to Germany for three years? And I'm like, well, can I, can I hold off on this for a second? I'm like, you know, yep. and, uh, so I go call my girlfriend and I'm like, Hey, you want to go to Germany? She's like, sure. And I'm like, all right, um, we got to get married. And she's like, are you proposing? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that was like two weeks before graduation. And then the week before graduation, or well, hell, uh, it was a few days before graduation. You have to go, you go back in and get your orders yep. and you have to clear, you know, clear basic training and clear CIF and all this stuff. And, you know, the Manila folder had Korea on. I mean, it had Germany on it and it scratched out and it had Korea. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. Like, um, I'm supposed to go to Germany. They're like, nah, you're going to Korea. And I'm like, Fuck. can I, can I, well, can I take my wife to Korea? They're like, no, it's a hardship tour. You're going to 2ID. Um, you know, you're going to, um, the northern corridor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just you. And I'm like, okay. So then I call my, my, <laughs> My, I guess my fiance, because I proposed <laughs> half asked over the phone and I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, remember we're getting married. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Korea for a year. So we'll just put that on hold for a year. She like, you know, <laughs> told me exactly what she thought about me. And, um, so, you know, uh, once I graduated, I went home for, you know, 15 days before I went to Korea and we, en we did end up getting married. We got married um, on a Thursday. I left for Korea on a Tuesday, wow. um, the following Tuesday. So my my first year of marriage, I was you know in Korea. So there was there wasn't a whole lot of fighting that first year. So that was good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So first duty station, um, I was at uh, Camp Castle in Korea. Okay. So now now you've never been. From what I can take, you can never you were never really out of your home state, and now you're going into boot camp, and now you find yourself right. out in Korea, and you can't bring anybody from home. Right. I mean, how was that as an impact on on to you as being away from America altogether and just on your own? 
Was it a big impact or you're just ready for oh, the fight? I couldn't wait to get away. You know, the plan was I was going to go to Korea and I was going to um, send in my application for the all army wrestling team. Yep. Now that I'm in the regular army, yep. and I, then they were going to bring me back to the United States. And uh, so I wouldn't be gone a whole year. Um, right. But it, it, it was one of those. I joined the military to see the world. Now yep. I'm getting to see the world, you know, so the lead up was, all right, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. Yeah. And then you fly in the fly in to Korea and, you know, you fly into Kempo. Yep. They take you over and they're like, all right, everybody going up to the two ID, get on this bus and you get on that bus. And then they take you through Seoul. Yep. And then you see Ajima on the street corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> like my, my first, you know, impression of Korea is like, holy shit. Seoul is humongous. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is the biggest city I've ever been in. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, and then you see a woman in a long, long gown with, with a baby attached to her, what it looked like an Afghan, yeah. you know, like they have a towel around her with a baby on her back. And you're like, man, that's, that's odd. And then she just lifts up her dress and squats right there and pisses on the sidewalk. And you're like, yeah. wow, this, this is not Eastern Ohio, you know, like, uh, this, this is different. And then, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the smell is yeah. different. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, you, you walk around and in 1993, like half the population of Korea is walking around with masks on. And you're like, what do they know that I don't? Like, yeah. And then, and then the second shocking moment is when I went to the, the PX and a guy in front of me or two guys in front of me. I knew he was like me and this guy was in basic training together. So I yep. knew he was around 19, you know, 18, 19, like I was. And he, he had a case of beer. Boom. He drops it on the counter. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what, let's see what happens. Yep. And you know, she just whoop, swiped his card and boom, off he went. And I'm like, Oh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, let, let, yeah. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, you know, go up there and that, you know, now I'm like, I didn't get a case. I got, you know, a six pack. So yeah, I can try it out. It. Yeah. You try it out. <laughs> right. And so I take a six pack up there and, you know, the, the sergeant first class behind me, he's like, that's it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh yes. Yeah, Martin. I'm like, you know, he's like, all right. And, and so I buy it. I leave. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no drinking age. Yeah. What, what is this? What you is know? going on and, here? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, yeah, it was a huge culture shock. And then, oh, by the way, um, you know, I was a violent person, you know, not, not, um, not, uh, um, uncontrollable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It it was, you know, if, if you push me, I'm punching. If you punch me, I'm punching you twice back. If you know what I mean? Like, there, there was no, there was no, um, do that again. You know what I mean? Right. Do that again. See what it was. I you would never, you would never hear me utter the words. You know, do that again. See what happens. Yeah. No, they're, they're, <laughs> you know, you just got to show intent to me, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm gonna kick your ass, and then I punch you in the face. And you're like, what's that for? Well, I mean, <laughs> you said you were gonna kick my ass, but yeah. Um, and then while you're in Korea, you you didn't worry about getting shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't nobody nobody could. You know, like Koreans don't carry guns, so you didn't worry about that. You didn't, um, 
So yeah, man, we we fought every weekend. I mean, it was like I don't know. It's like we would we would sit in the barracks room drinking Schlitz malt liquor bull, the blue bull, right? Yeah. Watching Menace to Society, and you know we're getting hammered. You know, watching Menace to Society, we go pay our thirty-one, get on the bus, go down to uh, TDC, and uh, yeah, and then anybody that bumps into you, they have it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that was the mentality. And then yeah, you learn to run from the courtesy patrol and uh, the MPs, and and uh, yeah, never never came down on the blotter. Um, you know, like it was funny. Like first arm, be like, hey, anybody going downtown with? private vicars tonight you know what i mean watch his ass you know what i mean what i mean you're six four how am i gonna watch <laughs> i mean it, yeah i mean it and then so i wrestled um i was the uh eight um i was the two id champion in, in wrestling then i went to eighth army and won eighth army and then while uh it was pretty cool the eighth army commander which is a general okay. and the general of Okinawa, uh, the, the Marine Corps general, they, they went to the, the war college yeah. together. Right. So they were, they were friends. So they decided to have a wrestling match in Okinawa, uh, with, um, now in Korea, you, you had, um, you have Navy guys and, um, uh, air force guys and Marines also. Yep. Um, let blended team. And then we went to Okinawa. The, the first culture shock in Okinawa, when I got off the plane, I went and, um, to get a Coke and a, <laughs> um, 22 ounce Coke was seven bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? You know what I mean? And, yes. uh, so yeah. And then, you know, and then we wrestled, um, we wrestled in a gym over there and it, I mean, filled to, to capacity uh with marines and you know they're all barking and geez wheeze and so we, we we line up on each side of the mat and um you know they they're calling weight classes and i was heavyweight and they're like all right from from korea and uh, representing the united states army is you know um private first class vickers and yeah. so i run to the center of the mat and from the Marine Corps, uh, you know, from Okinawa wrestling, uh, representing the Marine Corps is major, whatever the hell his name was. Right. Right. Yep. So I'm like, Oh yep. shit. <laughs> right. Like in all the tournaments I wrestled in, in Korea, it, it was just your name. Right. Like it no didn't rank, say rank. Right. It just, yeah. it was just your name. And I'm like, so when it came to my match, like we started out, I was like, Oh, I was hesitant. You know, yeah, like, yeah. and, uh, and there was a break in action and I went over, you know, I went over to the side of my mat and talked to my coach and my coach was like, what, the, what, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like the dude's a major. And he's like, you see any rank on his singlet? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, beat his ass. Like, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. and then I go back out and I, I end up winning the match and, um, <clears throat> guys from, uh, the all army team was there. Um, and they came up to me and said, Hey man, we like, we like what you're doing. You, you want to fill out an application? I'm like, sure. I'll fill out an application. They look at it and they're like, you know, like you wasn't a, you know, um, uh, 
state champion in high school? No, I wasn't. You wasn't, you know, a national champion? No. Like, man, you don't understand. Like, we have, we have Olympians on our yeah. team. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, man, I just get me in the room. You know I mean, if I'm not good enough, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I'm not good enough, he's like, well, that's, that's caught, you know, we're, we're asking the army to pay a whole lot of money to get you from Korea to Fort Benning, Georgia, because you think you can, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, man. Uh, so that year I didn't go. I spent the whole year in Korea. Uh, I came home and went to, went to Fort Stewart, um, which was my second duty station, Fort Stewart. Um, at the time, it was the 24th Infantry Division, the Victory Division. While I was there, um, like I signed in, Saddam moved his troops back down to um, the the border of Kuwait, um, and this was, like I said, this was um, 94, and and so uh, part of part of the 24th Infantry Division deployed to. Um, Kuwait then and, uh, which it just became a, a training, a training exercise, uh, because, you know, nothing, nothing popped off while we were in Kuwait. I'm wrestling every, you know, like back in the old days, you know, yeah. it was, um, squad on squad, platoon on platoon, everything, yeah. football, wrestling, um, wh- whatever it was, it was, you know, volleyball, whatever it was, it was either squad on squad or platoon on platoon or company yeah. on company. It, it, you know, that, that's how I was raised in the military that, you know, everything was competition. Everything was timed event, a, a two standard event or, you know, a head on head, you know, right. matchup. So, and so I'm, I'm wrestling. Um, and it wasn't technical wrestling. It was, you know, dog palin. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> It was, you know, WWE, uh, meets, you know, MMA meets, you know, backyard <laughs> stuff. I mean, it, it was, and, uh, my, my platoon sergeant was like, Hey man, you need to look into, uh, joining the army wrestling team. And I'm like, uh, Hey man, I, I looked into that and I'm not, I'm not qualified. He's like, well, shit, if you're not qualified, you know what I mean? Like, ain't nobody qualified. I'm like, there was some tournaments around around the area, some wrestling tournaments um, for USA Wrestling, not not for uh, the military, but for USA Wrestling. And I went to, and I wrestled in a couple, and and I did pretty well in a couple, which got me another look by um, the All Army Wrestling Team. So in '96, I went to. Um, the all army wrestling team for the first time. So I went from Fort Stewart to Fort Benning, uh, both in Georgia across, you know, about four hours away, went to Fort Benning and I wrestled and you, you have to make the team, you know, right. like they'll bring you there and you wrestle. And, um, you know, there's guys that are on the world class athlete program. Um, there's guys that, like you said, there was Olympians. Um, there was guys that were in the 88 Olympics. Wow. Yeah, there there was guys that were um multiple time like Sean Lewis, he's the he's the current coach um of the all army wrestling team. He was he was on the team when I was. He he was a several time national champion. Yeah, I mean it was uh Derek Waltrip um 
he wrestled my, you know, it, it's funny. I went there, this, this big 240 pound. Yeah. And my, the coach was like, um, you're a, you're a 198 pound. I'm like, what, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I'm like, crush no, no. A 198. <laughs> right. No, I mean, he's like, no, no, you're not a heavyweight. You're a 198 pound. Um, and I'm like, that's, you know, that's 40 pounds. Yeah. That's 50 pounds, you know? And he's like, no, he's like, I'm telling you. He's like, you know, you, you don't have the size for heavyweight. And I thought that was ludicrous until I get in the room. <laughs> I get in a room with, you know, there was a Captain Green. Um, he was a, um, uh, Olympic alternate in 96. Man, he was a beast. Like I said, uh, there was a lieutenant, uh, Jerry Jackson. He, he had the, the biggest upper body I've ever seen on a human being and the smallest, like he never did a leg day because he was a Greco, he was a Greco Roman guy. He never did man, but he was, he was a monster. Um, and then Derek Waltrip, uh, was 198. I mean, that team was stacked and that team won national titles in Greco Roman wrestling. I mean, they're still winning national titles yeah. because that's what the army, you know, army is known for. Um, so I spent two years on, on the army wrestling team. I hurt my shoulder in 97. They moved from Fort Benning to, um, Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, they're up in Colorado Springs. Uh, now I, I still got friends up there on the, on the wrestling team. Uh, Jamil Byers, um, is, is retired now. He's still up there. We, we stay in contact. He was a, uh, a three time Olympian. I want to say there's two or three time Olympian. Yep. Um, he was a world medalist. Me and him are still good friends. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of those things like you're like, man, I, there's, there's a lot, you know, you, you appreciate wrestling, you know, in, in its purest form where, you know, they, they do things that the all army wrestling program, uh, that'll make a Billy go puke, you know? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. So yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we went, you know, you go to armed forces and you get to wrestle the Marine Corps and, and, and the Navy and the Air Force. And it, it was, it was, you know, it was great. We went, um, I went to down in Pensacola. They had the armed forces one year. It was great. You know, uh, we won that and, they gave us like five days, five days off. So we went down to Panama City Beach and, 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 and got crazy. And, uh, so yeah, it was great. Right. So when you're, when you're on the wrestling team, do you still do your, your combat engineering day to day? No. So you're uh, just training every day, wrestling every yeah, night. When you're, yeah. When you're on the, when you're on the army wrestling, now, like I said, there's, there's different levels to it. Like, yeah. There's, um, if you're on the army wrestling team, you stay like, you would go to Fort, uh, Fort Carson, Colorado, and you would stay, you would just stay up there and you're TDY. You know what okay. I mean? And then once you make the team, you stay TDY, right? And then, you know, if they'll send you to tournaments and then, um, throughout, you know, international tournaments throughout the country or throughout the world. Yep. And, and, and as long as you, as long as you're proven, you you're know, worth. You're, you're, you're worth your weight and salt. You know what yeah. I mean? They'll, they'll put you, if, if they see it in you to become an Olympian, right? Cause that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, to be an Olympian. If they see it in you, then they'll put you on the world class athlete program. 
And like I said, my my man uh, Jamil Byers, uh, he joined the army. I want to say ninety five, and he retired. Um, two thousand. I think he retired after me. So we'll, we'll say between two thousand fifteen and two thousand nineteen, he okay. spent that whole time on the world class athlete program. Wow. He's he spent his entire career, and um. But he, I mean, he represented his country. You know, oh, he absolutely. went to several. He did his part. But yeah, you, you you don't. The only uniform you wear is your your dress uniform when you go to armed forces. Other okay. than that, they give you some warm ups. So now you're now at this point of your career, you're done with the wrestling, and now you're back in with a with a command with another unit. Yep. So I stayed. I stayed at Fort Benning. Yep. Because uh, that's. I was there. I re-enlisted. I re-enlisted to go to Fort Benning because that's where the Army team was. So my first enlistment was up. Um, I love being on the Army team. Um, I just had a newborn, so I re-enlisted to go to Fort Benning. And then when the Army team left, I stayed at Fort Benning. And then I became a combat engineer. You know, things yeah. things blended. They did away with um, 12 Foxtrot. It, it was 12 Bravo. So that was 97, uh, went to Kuwait, um, in 99, uh, for, uh, an intrinsic action. We were a training brigade, um, over in Kuwait. And then, which, you know, in 99, that's when, um, Kosovo kicked off. And I was, I had already re-enlisted again and, uh, to go to Fort Riley, Kansas. And, uh, man, that was, um, some of the worst two years of my life, but I, I reenlisted to go to Fort Riley because I took a bonus. Yeah. And to me, at the time, to me, the job was the job. You know, right. anywhere you went in the army, you, you were a combat engineer. So you were doing the same thing. So I was a homebody. I didn't do much outside of, you know, outside of work and come home and play with the kids. Yeah. Um, so. It, it, I didn't think the duty station mattered until I got to Fort Riley. Um, but I was on, I was on leave in 99. Okay. Um, and Kosovo kicked off and my, my unit got alerted and, you know, uh, my platoon called me. He's like, Hey, are you watching the news? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you see what's going on? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've been, you know, up until this point, not, you know, 99, I've been in the army seven years or so. And, you know, now it's time to, now it's time to do it. And, yeah. uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. And he's like, all right, get back. You know, I was in Ohio on leave. He's like, all right, get back to Fort Benning. And they, they deferred my orders to go to Fort Raleigh, um, for, you know, um, for a year, I guess it was. Um, and then we, we ended up, they ended up sending the unit that was in Kuwait to Kosovo and then sending us to Kuwait. Okay. So, I mean, which, you know, it was kind of a letdown, but, you know, it, it was. Yeah, it got you all hyped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, like, like I said, I was ready to go to Kosovo and, 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 uh, I was ready to do what I, I joined the military to do. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So went there for four months, came back, went to Fort Raleigh. Um, you know, like I said, it was the, Absolute worst two years of my life. Uh, they didn't train a lot. This was pre nine eleven. They didn't do a whole lot of training. We went to NTC 
uh, National Training Center out in California a, a couple times. But other than that, I mean, it was. And then from from the time I got to um, Fort Fort Riley to to the time I left was two years to the day I went back to Korea. I went back to Korea in 2002. Um, Korea had drastically changed for, for the 10 years. Uh, I was, I was, you know, in between wow. um, my Korea um, rotations, it, it, it drastic. I mean, Korea was the same, but how we approached um, uh, going downtown and that, that second time there we had a lot of a lot of civil unrest you know they, they had a lot of protesting they wanted us out of korea the koreans you know the younger korean generation wanted us out of korea so there was a lot of civil unrest but we got locked down a bunch towards the end of um 2002 into 2003 that's when you know iraq started really milling up you know it started really milling up and um so you know by then i was a e6 i kind of got my got my choice you know i I called my branch and they're like hey you can go to these you know several duty stations and i picked fort benning um because i knew fort benning fort benning was already in kuwait um training uh, uh, a lot similar than what we did it in, in 99. So I knew, I knew a lot of people that, you know, some, a lot of the people I was with prior to going to Fort Riley, they were still there. So I went, I went back to Fort Benning 2003, but coming from Korea in 2003, when I got there, it was like, Hey, you're, you're, uh, you're stabilized for six months. You know what I mean? Like, you just came from a hardship tour, and and you know, in my head, I'm like, I don't think this war is going to last six months. You know, yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that tells you how much I mean. Yeah, yeah. We, we still we still got people in Iraq. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I, I deferred uh, my stabilization, and I'm like, hey, listen, I've been in a, I've been in the army ten years. If a war kicks off, I'm going. Right. Um, just so happened. The, the command sergeant major of the battalion I was in was a first sergeant, um, in that same battalion the first time I was there, you know, so I had a rapport with him. So I was able yep. to call him and say, Hey, you know, um, and then, you know, they had stop loss at the time. So, you know, there, there, I was a platoon sergeant in Korea as an E6, um, and I get to this unit and they had team leaders that were E6. You know, they had staffs on team leaders because dudes were making rank, but they were stop loss. They couldn't move. Yeah. So, and you know, he's like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm full. I, I, and I'm like, hey, so major, I, I just, I just need to be somewhere, somewhere near the fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, a guy, a guy ended up breaking his leg. Um, prior to um, the invasion, and yep. and I was I was able to take his spot, and so it worked it worked out for me, not not so much for him, but um, but yeah, so yeah, that was two thousand three first employment. Okay, so talk to me about your 
redeployments um, to Iraq? So, 03, 05, 07, 09, uh, all to Iraq. Um, at one point, the brigade I was in, uh, 3rd Brigade, 3rd IB, uh, was the most uh, deployed brigade in the Army. And that had uh, that had a lot to do with them already being in Kuwait. They were in Kuwait um, four months prior to prior to the end of 03. Okay. And then they came home right before Christmas, and then they deployed again in January of 03. I got there in February of 03, and then you know the invasion happened in March. So uh, the invasion was surreal. Like you have in your head. What war is going to be like at the National Training Center out in out in California? Um, we ha- we have trained, and I was, you know, I went prior to '03. I, I was at the National Training Center probably six seven times, yeah. and you know, in those those units, it was all desert warfare, uh, tank on tank. It was all you know. And you're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. This is you know, engineers. We're going to run into obstacles. Every kilometer, like it's, yeah. It, it's, yeah. And it wasn't like that. Like it was, as soon as we crossed the berm, it was little kids, you know, little, you're, you're looking, you're looking out the side of your vehicle and you're like, where the hell are these little kids coming from? Like you don't see no houses. You don't, you don't see no vehicles. You don't yeah. see no adults. No tents. You know, nothing. You're like, yeah. You're like, where the hell are these little kids coming from? And they're barefoot standing on, Standing on asphalt, and it's a hundred and thirty degrees out, and you're like, "What?" And you know, you you give them water, and and and, and uh, but yeah, you're like, and then you, and then you roll, and then you roll, and then you roll, and then but you know, little did you know that the, the tanks were up front doing their part. You know, air was doing their part. Um, you, you don't you don't see nothing of shock and awe right. um, until you you know until you're afterwards and you and you watch it you watch it on tv or you, you didn't you, you saw the scuds going over you saw the patriots going over you, you yeah. can every now and then you would see that in in the in the skyline but during the invasion there was it had its moments but right. it, it was more it was more down moments than contact you know what i mean right, the, right. Uh, you know, a lot of lull um and not a, not a whole lot of storm um, from my perspective, right. and uh, they cut our deployment short. Uh, President Bush declared, you know, mission accomplished in May. We came home in June or July of that year, um, and they they were transitioning. Right, right. Um, we, we we're now in you know winning hearts and minds, and not you know trying to smash people. You don't want the people that are trying to smash yeah. to turn around and, and now, you know, um, give out candy bars. Part of, yeah. Part of reconstruction. Yeah. So yeah. they sent us home, went on leave and came back and we started training again to go back. And then in 05, 05 was a little different. Um, we were, um, uh, we were an engineer company attached to a artillery battalion. Um, in the middle of the city of Bakuba in Iraq, or excuse me, Bakuba, um, okay. and in Iraq, which is probably 35, 40 miles northeast of Baghdad. And we, we were in charge of uh, a police station. Um, 
So you had one engineer company uh, with one infantry platoon. So it was 100, 120, 120 people. Uh, we had an M- MP detachment. We had a, uh, which they were in charge of the booking station. And we yeah. ran patrol around there. And, and um, yeah, so we did about, um, and we were self-sustaining. I mean, we had to run to a, um, a fob uh, to get chow. And so we did that. And, and then my, my guy, my platoon, you know, we ran chow. We ran the commander over to, you know, we didn't have a, a real combat mission. Um, right. um, because we were in charge of the police station. Yep. We got hit with IEDs all the time. So, I mean, so much so that the battalion, um, 110 field artillery, you know, named me an IED man. Uh, so, because <laughs> every time, <laughs> no, no, no. Every time, uh, every time I would call into X-ray, you know, I'd be like, you know, Rock X-ray, uh, Outlaw 37, contact IED. Yeah, it was funny that one day I, I rolled into, you know, their, their fob and they asked me to come to battalion and the, the uh, the S3, Say, hey man, I I just wanted to meet the IED man, you know. Like, <laughs> I just wanted to put a a face with the guy calling. He's like, man, how how do you get back in your truck and ride back out there? I'm like, well, I mean, got to do what you got to do. I'm here. I'm here for a year, sir. What, what, what do you want me to do? You know. Um, yeah. But thankfully, no one, uh, none of my guys were seriously injured. Um, but you know, in '05, that was. In 05, it was, hey, you get in the Humvee, um, you get out on the road, you, you punch, you, you put the pedal down, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you pray for the best. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was one of those deals. And, um, and also, you know, now in Iraq or Afghanistan, when you, when you take contact, if you take contact from an IED, it's a mandatory 72-hour standout. So okay. you, if your vehicle gets hit, um, you stand down for 72 hours. Okay. So, um, they didn't do that before. Like in 05, when we got hit, you know, it was, it was, Hey, you have any, you know, BDA? And you're like, nah, you know, I got a flat tire. And you're like, all right, roll on it. Or, and, and it was, Hey, continue mission. And, yeah. and that's what you did, you know? Um, and little did you know, Right. Little did anyone know then that you were taking damage. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't visible, but you know, with right. each, with each IED, you were taking, you were taking, um, damage. So, and then 07, uh, we went back and engineers, you know, the, the war kind of changed and shifted and engineers were tasked to be route clearance. Um, so, you know, we essentially went out looking for roadside bombs. Some days, you know, we found them. Some days, then bombs found us. But, you know, the, we were, we were given the equipment to withstand that, um, you know, the blast for the most part, physically withstand, right? Yeah. Physically, it minimized the physical, um, or excuse me, the visible damage that we took. Now, Grant, uh, you know, and again, my platoon, we got hit a bunch. No one was, uh, seriously injured. I, I did have one soldier 
uh, in 07, he got shot um, with a dishka uh, through his bicep. But he's doing, I mean, it's been, um, you know, 13 years or 14 years now. Um, he's doing well. That's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. Um, but I also, in, in 07, I had a soldier kill himself, um, with a, with a 249. So that was, you know, um, I still, and, and, and still a, you know, a, a, a failure, you know, um, I, I still treat it as a failure. I failed him. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, prior to the deployment, he showed signs and symptoms and we did, um, the right thing. And we got him, uh, to the hospital and got him treatment and, um, you know, and they, they put him on meds and, you know, he went through treatment and they cleared him to deploy. And when he deployed, he was good for a long time until he wasn't. And then. We did, we kind of did the same thing, gutting medical treatment. They put him on, they put him on different medication. And then, you know, it, it just one thing triggered, you know, it, it only, it only takes that one second. And, and, uh, so, you know, that, that only soldier I've had in, in four deployments that I've been directly in charge of that, that died. Wow. Um, and you know, I, I I I take responsibility for it, and uh, you know, a lot of people. Be, it's it's not a I don't it's not a burden, right? As it was, you know, it's it's not a weight as it was, but it it's you know it's it's fuel. I, I treat it as fuel, so. That was uh, 07, went back in 09, and uh, 09, same thing. We did route clearance, and uh, in 05, I didn't have somebody in my platoon die, but, you know, we, we had somebody in our company die uh, from a suicide bomber, came into our chow hall. In, in 2007, again, um, a, a good buddy from another platoon uh, died from an IED to, uh, you know, Two others lost their legs and then, uh, excuse me, one other lost his legs and then he went on to die. Um, and then another, he broke his leg and then he went, he died from complications of that. And then, uh, you know, in 2009, you know, we're, we're out on the road one night and, uh, we're, we're in a, a convoy of, a route clearance patrol of probably seven vehicles and six vehicles past this area. Um, I was in the seventh vehicle and, um, the, the, the EFP, which is a, a explosive force penetrator hit the side of my Max Pro. Um, thankfully <laughs> I, I was so big. Um, I took, I took the brunt of, um, of this EFP and uh, when uh, the sweat team came out and, and they did their, you know, their uh, analysis, they, they determined that the vehicle was hit with at least seven explosives at one time, at wow. least seven. Cause there was seven different, there were seven different punctures 
in the vehicle. It, it went through the, um, went through the dashboard and killed the truck, went through the engine block, killed the truck, um, almost, almost, uh, penetrated the door, but didn't, uh, dislocated my right shoulder rearward, took a little shrapnel, was concussed and took some, uh, spinal damage, um, in that. And, uh, I got, I got medevaced. Well, we, we, uh, put a tow bar on it, towed it back to the fob. Um, I had to do, you know, you had to do 72 hour stand down. If you were in an IED, you had to go get checked by the medics, went and got checked by the medics, failed the, uh, concussion test, concussion protocol. And, uh, you know, my, my shoulder was still, um, my medic on the scene, he put my shoulder back in place so I can return fire. They determined that I needed to be airlifted to Baghdad. When I got there, um, my arm, my arm was numb because when my medic put my shoulder back into place, he, he pinched the nerve. Orthopedic had to re dislocate my shoulder. He, <laughs> he, well, the orthopedic was a, a, a captain male. He was leaving. His replacement was a captain female. And, uh, so he's like, Hey, uh, you know, um, so I, we're going to have to, uh, dis, you know, dislocate it. Yeah. Yeah. Redislocate it. I'm like, all right. And, uh, he's like, so he tries and, you know, the other captain's kind of leaning on my legs and he can't get it. Uh, so she goes out in the hallway and gets two more privates or, you know, two more enlisted members. They come in and they're both females. So I'm like, man, this, like, this is going to hurt like a son of a bitch. And I can't cry because I got all these females around me. You know right, I mean? right. Like six, four, you got to be a tough guy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You got to be tough. And, uh, so he, he ended up popping it back out, popped it back in. And, uh, the, the whole, my whole right deltoid is still, I mean, to this day, and it's been, you know, almost 10 years. Um, it's numb. I, I have no feeling in my deltoid. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm like, man, that was a dick move. He's like, what? I'm like, you bring three, <laughs> three females in here while you're, while you're, uh, He's like, oh, sorry, you're good. I'm like, man, uh, I mean, that injury, um, you know, I've had, uh, neck fusion surgery. I've had, uh, 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 they, they had to take out a disc and they put a cadaver bone in, um, my neck. I've had, I have a spinal cord stimulator that helps, um, well, it don't help at all, but it, it's supposed to help. Uh, you know, manage my pain. Uh, it comes with a little remote control. Um, I have a traumatic brain injury. My, my short term memory is, is not shot, but I mean, it's, um, it's, it's pretty bad. The remembering numbers and names and, and, and stuff, new numbers, new names, new, um, it's, it's, it's really tough. Um, and so that effectively, I was at E7 then, excuse me, that effectively just stopped my career due to the fact that, you know, I was, um, I stayed at one, you know, I, a multitude of things, but, you know, I, yeah. the, the, you know, the military don't like people leading that or not 
able to do their job right at at full capacity so um so and i you know i i kind of knew it i didn't i didn't want to know it you know i um so I had a good rapport with, you know, with the unit I was in and, and, you know, they, they kind of set me, I went and did a brigade, you know, I, I got a job up in brigade and took a desk job and, and I freaking hated it. And, 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 uh, and I did everything in my power. You know, I did all the surgeries, all the, you know, um, Every, well, this, you know, this technique or this, you know, right. whatever it was, I did it just, you know, cause I wanted to, I wanted to maintain my career. I wanted to, um, Improve. still do what I, you know, still do what I did. And uh, I was, my, my body was failing, you know, right. my body. Um, and you know, I couldn't explain, it. I couldn't. Um, you know, I would, I would sit in meetings prior to, and I would take, when I was taking notes, I'd just put trigger words on my, on my notebook, you know, and, um, and now, now I find myself taking copious, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, can you repeat that again? You know, like I'm, I'm being that guy. Repeat right. that again. What time? What was, you know, and I'm like, oh man, this is like, then, you know, then I went back to Fort Leonard Wood, um, the last two years uh, of my career. And, uh, you know, I, I trained, you know, I was in trade and, and, you know, I was miserable. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, the writing's on the wall, you know, it, it, it's time to get out. So right. I retired. I retired. So, you know, I, I look back on my career, um, and I get mixed emotions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of a lot of the things I did. Yep. Um, I, you know, I go back to a debt owed, right? I go right. back to, did I do enough for, um, Marvin D. Snyder? And that's my, my sister's dad. I call him Dale. Yep. Marvin, Marvin D. Snyder. Did I do enough? Did I do it? You know, it was like, like that, that, uh, scene from Saving Private Ryan, you know, where right. the guy, the guy asked his wife, tell me, tell me I'm a good man. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it's sort of like that, you know, did I do enough? Did, did I, did I, you know, uh, repay the debt? I still struggle with it. So it, it's hard to tell. So yeah, I kind of have the same feeling. Cause like I said, I've, uh, I'm what you call a garrison marine. I never actually deployed to Iraq or anything. I did a couple overseas deals, but uh, mm-hmm. I get the same thing. You know, I, I'm out now and been out since '09, and uh, you know, I, and I get, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, did I do enough and everything else? I mean, obviously, your service record blows mine out of the water. Talk to me, like, how did you get out? And now you're you're Mission 22 State Leader for Ohio. I got out uh, in 2015. Um, my wife and kids. Uh, moved back to Ohio. I was out in Missouri by myself. So the, the kind of the, the writing was on the wall there, yep. uh, with my marriage. Um, so I moved back. Um, I was going to be a Franklin County sheriff. Um, that's in Columbus, Ohio. I, I was going to be a sheriff. Uh, I went and took the tests. I went and took, 
Uh, I did the uh, physical fitness test. I did the uh, national law enforcement exam. I, I did all that. Right. And uh, so it came time to do the physical, and you know the doctor's like, "Well, do you, you know, you're like, well, I broke my neck," <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Well, you know, um, we, you know, they don't want to take on that. that, you know, right? Yeah." So I'm like, "Well, shit, that was." That was my plan A and plan, you know what I mean? Like that's, um, that's the only plan I had. So I was like, shit. So, you know, I became a, uh, uh, crane operator for a roofing company and, uh, made really good money. Uh, but the, the problem was I was standing, um, at the bottom of a 90 foot boom on a crane looking up with, with a bad neck. Yeah. So I would go home, I would go home and, I would have headaches and, you know, my, 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 my body would ache for, you know, standing there for eight, 12, however many hours and, and operating this crane. Um, and, uh, you know, which, which put me in pain, which made my, you know, made me irritable. Yeah. Made, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my home life suffered, um, because I was irritable all the time. I didn't want to, you know, once I got home at the end of the day, I didn't want to do anything, which my body's breaking on me. You know, my body's deteriorating. My, my career just ended. I'm, I'm going into this new phase of my life that I really don't want to, but I have to, I'm not doing what I wanted to do when I, you know, like all this stuff swirling around. And like I said, my marriage, uh, um, of 20 plus years was, was on the rocks and it was just a whirlwind, you know, just, yeah. you know, uh, I pull in the driveway and not want to go in the house because, you know, uh, of what, what was facing me. Um, and then, you know, it culminated, you know, the wife, um, called the, called the police and, uh, you know, said I was being violent and, uh, the police came and, um, you know, they handcuffed me and put me in the back of a, uh, a police car. And, and it's, it's easy when you, when you're, you know, irritable. Um, and when you're, you know, and then you have to, and, and, and it was all, I mean, not a hundred percent made up. I mean, there was half truth there. You know, I, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't put my hands on my wife or kids. I didn't, you know, I didn't do, do any of that. I, I yelled a bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it took a nine month, uh, court, court process to get cleared of any wrongdoing. I was cleared. Um, but, you know, I had a GPS tracker on my leg. Um, my kids quit talking to me. Uh, I, I had a protection order against me for a year. Um, I got, uh, you know, just went, was going through a divorce. It, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. Kind of made you uh, feel like you're getting snowballed, huh? Right. Right. And, yeah. and what, what I, what, you know, the analogy I, I kept using is my, my bucket yeah. is overflowing with shit. Like my, yeah. this bucket can't, you know, like I can't take any more. And then my lawyer would, you know, as soon as I say I can't take anymore, my lawyer would email me and I'm like, Oh, you know, um, <laughs> and it, it was this after this after this. And it was just punch after punch after punch after punch. 
And I thought, man, nothing, nothing is working out. Then I get cleared. Um, you know, I, I go to, I, I go to court, uh, for a, uh, criminal trial, you know, and, uh, I get cleared. Um, so that, okay, boom, that's, that's a little bit off. And then, you know, um, then the divorce is drug out, you know, it, it started in 2017. I didn't get divorced until uh, July 3rd, 2017. I didn't get uh, divorced till the end of May of last year. So that drug out, um, you know, to this day, my kids, you know, 25 and 17, they still don't talk to me. Um, and that's a source of, you know, that's a source of uh, depression and anxiety. And uh, yeah, so um so I, I, a good buddy of mine, uh, her name's Sean Jones. We met on uh, uh, um, uh, a social media site. Had nothing okay. to do with nothing to do with the military, and uh, just just talking. Just I mean, uh, in a in a chat room, just talking. And oh, you're in the military. Oh, da 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 da. This and that, and you know, started a friendship. And she's like, Hey, have you ever heard of Mission Twenty Two? And I'm like, No. And, yep. and she's like, well, they have all these, um, programs and da, 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 da. And I'm like, all right, that, that sounds good. And she's like, you need to check them out. I'm like, all right, yeah, I will. And, and, uh, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want help. You know, right. I didn't, you didn't think you needed, you know, well, no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't want help because I wanted, um, I wanted, I wanted to kill myself. Right. I didn't want help. I didn't want to get better. Right. Um, I, I, I didn't see a way through. I didn't want to live another day without my kids. I didn't want to live another day without the ability to pick up a phone and call either one of my kids and just talk to them. So I didn't want to get better. Talking to somebody wasn't going to fix that. Talking to somebody wasn't, you know, the, the people I wanted to talk to didn't want to talk to me. So that was, that was the problem. So, you know, and, and then I kept trying to find, answers at the bottom of a whiskey bottle, which they're never there. Right. Um, and, uh, but you know, I kept trying and, and kept trying and, and, and I was drinking myself. Um, you know, it, it, it was to the point that, you, you know, you're buying, you're buying whiskey and you're drinking until you pass out. And then when you wake up, you, you just keep drinking, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're just numbing yourself. You just keep numbing keep numbing, keep numbing. Um, there'd be like days. I mean, sometimes week or so I, I, hell, I wouldn't put pants on. I'd be, I'd be on the couch and, uh, yeah, it it was a horrible, horrible time. And, you know, and to the point where I, I got a pistol, uh, I was sitting at my kitchen table. I, I flipped the coin you know, my, my football number was 54. I still have an attachment to the number 54 for whatever reason. I'm like, I'm going to flip this coin 54 times. If it lands on heads, I'm going I'm to I'm shoot myself and lands on tails. You know, I'm, I'm going to get my shit together. Yeah. So like you said, it, it landed on tails. So I, I, you know, that day I made a, I made a point. I will do everything in my power to be the best version of myself. Correct. I can't control 
I can't control what my kids do. I can't control if they'll ever talk to me again. Um, but if they do, the day they decide to talk to me, I want them to know, I want them to see the difference. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, and if that never happens, so be it. I can't control that. So, so I get back, uh, with, with, um, Sean, Sean was a state leader, uh, of mission 22. I got with her and said, Hey, you know, um, I need to, you know, um, you know, unscrew myself, you yeah. know, and, and she's like, okay, you know, now I never, I went out and bought a motorcycle, um, hadn't rode for years. Um, the doctors were like, Hey, you know, uh, I don't think you, you know, cause they were like, what, what is your prognosis? What your brain injury, what, what do you want to see your, you know, um, quality of life looking like i'm like i want to get on a motorcycle and they're like ah, i don't think that's a great idea with a brain injury you know all this i'm like ah, okay all right so i went and bought a bought a motorcycle because that's what you do right yep that's exactly um, it <laughs> so so but and never never did i think that motorcycle was going to be the catalyst of this new life mission 22 has equine therapy you know, uh, soldiers or, or, you know, veterans that get on these horses and they become one. And, you know, the horse, the horse can, can sense the tension in the veteran and, you know, kind of soothes the veteran. And, and it's the same thing, you know, to me, it was the same thing getting on a motorcycle. I concentrated so much, you know, on, um, you know, not in, you know, I, I didn't want to be a, um, uh, uh, um, a liability to other people on the road. So, you know, I, I went out and on these back roads by myself, um, and just rode and rode and rode and, and, and trying to, you know, get muscle memory, get, you know, get my, my body to remember, not, not necessarily my mind. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I bought a motorcycle in, in, uh, May, May of 2018, I got 30,000 miles on. Nice. And, and yeah. Um, and, and, uh, let me tell you, and my girlfriend now, she lives with me. Um, she, she has sole custody of a three year old, um, which is from a, you know, it's not hers and, or, or, I mean, it's just a, another person's, uh, child that okay. we're going to put her, put her up for adoption. And, and she snatched her up and said, listen, We'll work, you know, yeah. when, when you're ready to be a parent, she'll be ready to be your child. You know, so when we first met, we, we met, uh, two years ago, you know, I'm telling, you know, I'm telling her my story. Hey, yeah. uh, my, 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 my wife had me arrested. My kids don't talk to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so that's a deal breaker. I understand. And she's like, uh, I have a two year old. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm 40, I'm 45. I, I don't need, I don't need a two year old. And then, you know, when she first came around, you know, she didn't bring, uh, the child with her. And then when, when she did that, you know, the child didn't like me and I'm like, good, you stay that way. I don't want <laughs> you to like me. And, but now, now we're thick as leaves. Um, she lives here with me. Um, and it, it's so, the drastically is so like it's night and day the, the, the difference between 
um, you know, my, my marriage and this relationship, you know, I, I, I could go on all night about the differences, but, you know, the unconditional love I have now, yeah. opposed to before with, with my ex, it was, you know, it was all about what I was doing for her. She was a military, she was military spouse for 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she, she loved the guaranteed paycheck. She loved, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and personally, I think she loved when I was gone a lot because I was <laughs> gone a lot. So, um, but now, I mean, it's to be in a healthy situation yeah. where the energy is positive and, you know, the, the, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what that does for you. And it's amazing. It's like I tell people when I go to events for Mission 22 and I'm like, you know, uh, if you if you never met someone um, who was suicidal, yeah, you know, hi, I'm Steve Vickers. Nice to meet you. You know, what I mean, like I and I say that but like, listen, if you if you end your life, you end the opportunity of of anything getting better, like, right. you know, like. You know, the old, the, the cliche is, uh, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Like, um, like you, you want to kill yourself because, uh, you think whatever, whatever's going on in your life is never getting better. Right. But as soon as you kill yourself, you, you guarantee it, it will never get better. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, um, it, you know, ma- maybe it's not love, you know what I mean? Um, maybe it's not, maybe, you know, maybe for, for those who are listening, maybe love is not, cause let me tell you, I was absolutely against love, right? Uh, coming out of my situation, um, absolutely like I'm never getting married again. I'm never, you know, like, right. ugh, like no. And then, you know, you, you get, you get around the right people and they tear, they tear those walls down and, and you're like, wow, never, never, you know, like never say never. And, 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 you know, um, my girlfriend goes to every mission 22 event with me. Um, she's been to probably 17, 17 events in the last two years. She goes on every motorcycle ride with me. Uh, we just, we just went to Michigan, um, two months ago and did, um, 1500 miles up in the upper peninsula. We just got back from, uh, Florida, Savannah, uh, area, um, last, uh, two weeks ago and we put 2200 miles on the bike. I mean, she, you know, you know, we don't refer to each other as ride or die. We, right. we, we just ride and keep riding. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, um, yeah, because I mean, and, and the, the thing is, it, it's, it's like we, we have not fought, knock on wood, we have not fought, um, in, in two years. I mean, had an argument about anything. I mean, it, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, um, like I said, in, in my other relationship, it, everything was a fight. Everything was, you know, not wanting to give an inch, um, by either person. 
And it was, man, it was, um, so it's amazing how when you give yourself the opportunity to find better, yeah, whatever, whatever that is, whatever that better is, when you give yourself the opportunity to find that better, you know, and you, and you allow yourself the time, you know, mm -hmm. people want, you know, in this day of age with, with social media and, 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 you know, Google and, and instant gratification and instant, you know, you get that instant feedback. Everybody wants things now, like what, yeah. what, you know, uh, my alcoholism should stop now. My, my drug addiction should stop now. My, yeah. whatever it is should stop now. Well, it, it, it ain't that simple, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, my, like I, I don't, I, I don't even think I had an alcohol problem. I was just trying to, you know, numb the pain, uh, numb the pain. And oh, by the way, if I get alcohol poisoning and it kills me, eh, you know what I mean? If, yeah. you know, if I, um, if I, you know, uh, choke on my, uh, own vomit, like, you know, yep. you hear recording artists or, you know, uh, singers back in the day. Yeah. So be it. And, uh, but now I, I kind of, I, I collect, I collect whiskey now as it's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, reminder of where I was. Right. And, uh, I have about, oh, I don't know, 80 bottles of whiskey. Uh, you know, it's my, my, my love me book, if, if you will, like we okay. used to keep in the military of all your, awards and decorations and people used to put their you know certificates up on the wall or um you know from the units they've been in or the the things the, the, this is you know and it told a story you know so these these whiskey bottles tell a story i mean it's it's i now buy them when i go on travels on my motorcycle um you know we buy a shot glass and and a whiskey from whatever state we're in um, yeah. And, and it's, 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 again, it's the coping mechanism. Well, Steve, I want to say thanks for at least coming on the show and thank you for your outstanding, uh, 22 years in the military. Um, everybody here at home, you know, we all appreciate it. And if you, you know, I'm glad that, uh, that 54th, uh, flick of the, uh, coin turned out to be yeah. tails. Um, sounds like you uh, exactly. yeah. found, found it's, your it's, way. And absolutely for the veterans out there, if you're, if you're in a spot where Steve was and where I was at one point in my life and you want somebody to talk to, you can always call mission 22 at 1-800-273-8255. Yep. Just hit option yep. one, you know, the 24, seven, And if you're with, you know, if you're around people, you're around your friends and you know, that, that, that crazy stigma out there, if you're suicidal, there's something wrong with you. And you need to talk to someone, but you don't want to do it out loud. You can always text mission 22 at eight, three, eight, two, five, five. And then you can just start texting away and uh, nobody will even hear your conversation. And, you know, trust me, they're not going to blast it all over social media or anything like that. So yep. there's your options out there. I'll put the links for mission 22 here in the show notes. Once again, Steve, thank you uh, for your service and thank you for being on the show. Listeners stay tuned for the outro. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, 
prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.